would you go about making your voice sound like someone else's? And why would you? I'll be chatting to a bunch of people who can answer those questions and many more as they reveal the dark arts of impressionists. I'm Simon Lipson, and this is Making an Impression. Well, I'm thrilled today to be joined by master impressionist Danny Postel. How are you, Danny? Master. Wow, that is quite a compliment. Thank you so much, sir. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Just getting through these uh, these difficult times that we're all getting through and keeping myself busy, you know. Yeah. Good. Well, I mean, we'll talk about that because you, you've you been quite prolific on uh, social media and we'll, we'll come to that. One thing I did want to ask before we get cracking, we're talking today on the 9th of April. Keir Starmer has just become the new leader of the Labour Party. I'm just wondering what Diane Abbott thought of that. Well, what I have decided when I have looked at... When I, when I decided to concentrate on my stammer what i've decided to do is is work on it to the point where i don't have one anymore and that is my view of the oh, it's an absolutely killer impression when i saw you do that i saw you because you put that onto uh onto twitter i think and i saw that and just fell apart because not not because you're a guy doing a, a female voice but you just got all of that kind of dithery you know, the eyelids fluttering and looking up almost for inspiration as she does yeah. you know how did you how did you find that impression what was what were you what did you kind of focus in on to get diana right um because because i was i was um sat with a with a friend of mine and i was doing a few impressions i was doing a couple of politics you know i was doing nigel farage you know i was doing a couple of others and um he says to me you should do diana but and i went well you know i said how does she go he went have you not heard the um interview with nick ferrari on lbc i was like no and i listened to the interview yeah and what triggered it was how she said it will cost and she kept repeating that word so she was going it will cost <laughs> it was hot and it was going like it was just going that it was a high pitch bit and then yeah. and the more confused she was getting and i just thought well that that's a really good impression to do because of the fact that you can really just get the material just you don't even have to write the material it's no, just, no, no. You, what you do is just confuse yourself which is quite easy for me to do you know so so that's probably why that's probably why the impression works so well for me but yeah, it, is, um, it is quite it, interesting it, because I put other impressions up on Twitter sometimes. Yeah. And people go, yeah, Dan, this is good, but can you give us another Diane Abbott? It's, yeah. it's a bit of a nightmare when you have a one that's like sort of, you know, better than the rest of them that you do. You yeah, know? well, it's, it's well, yeah, absolutely. God, I mean, I, I spent my entire life being Ronnie Corbett. So, uh, really? you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, the, so that, that's fascinating. I want to come back to that a little bit later. But what I think what I'd like to do first is I've, I've done this with all of the interviews so far. It's just get an idea of, of, of you, you know, how you, you know, when you first discovered this gift for accents and for mimicry, were you, you know, were you the, the school comedian? Uh, were you the, 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 the kid who entertained the whole family? So, you know, tell me, tell me a little yeah, bit about. Was, well, I'm from, I'm, I'm from, I'm working class lad from Hartlepool, you know, me, me mum's a cook at school, me dad's a decorator. When I was at school, I used to do impressions of the teachers, which I, I think, a lot, just about every impressionist, I think, answers with that. Sure. <laughs> you know? yeah, um, yeah. And I remember there was one teacher, Mr. Woodhead, who um, apparently said this. I'd never heard him say this, but apparently he said, I do not want postal in any of my lessons because I don't want him to hear me speak because I used to do all the <laughs> teachers. And, uh, but he had no choice because he had to teach bottom set, you know. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. and that's a true story as well. And a lot of people would be surprised that I can do impressions because I'm actually deaf in my left ear. Me too. So, I write here, yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. But you know, it's funny you should say that because my driving instructor was deaf in his right ear. Yeah. So you can imagine he's trying to give me instructions. He's deaf in his right ear. I'm deaf in my left ear. Yeah, 200 <laughs> yeah. lessons it took me, you know. I'm um, surprised you passed. Yeah, well, exactly, I know. Yeah. It took it took yeah. me three times to pass. But yeah. I think I think with driving, I think it was just my confidence more than anything. But, yeah. yeah. It, it was a major factor, him being deaf in his right ear and me being deaf in my left ear. It kind of helped. It kind of helped. Absolutely. So, so, you, so you were the, the, the playground uh, and, and, you know, in, in the classroom as well. You, you were doing the teachers. Teachers are terrified of you. I would never do it to their face, though. I was no, no, no. polite in that respect. More, more of fear. You know, I would never 
do it to the first. But I mean, the first impressions I was doing really that when I first discovered I could do impressions. I was doing uh, John Motson because I used to play on FIFA quite a lot. And uh, this is the voice I used to listen to all the time. Uh, so yeah. what we would be doing is, so I'd be playing on FIFA with my mates. And then when we were out on the field playing football, I would just like, if they were winning 2-1 or something, I'd just make them laugh with a Motson impression. Fantastic. They'd like stumble over the ball and then, you know, we'd take advantage of the situation. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's a, a theme, isn't it? For, for the impressionists who like, you know, played sport, like sport, <clears throat> is you commentate on yourself quite a lot you know uh, oh you have to say he's, he's got a fantastic left foot you know when he uh, yeah I, i'd be doing that <laughs> i used to do it because I, I go back a lot longer than you do and i used to do this with richie benno you know the the old cricket commentator right and, but, but i'd apply that to everything i did you know yeah. oh he's uh what a marvelous day for a piece of toast you know and i'll just be yeah. <laughs> making my <laughs> breakfast you know um so so moving forward what what would your first what was your first impression and the, and the one that kind of, you know, you thought, you know what, I can, I can really do this? What it was, there was, a, there was a couple I used to do. So there was Motson, there was, I used to do Beckham as well. I used to do him. <laughs> uh, but my Beckham, right, my Beckham wasn't me doing an impression of Beckham. My impression of Beckham was Alistair McGowan's Beckham yeah. because he was my hero. So uh, I, I first discovered Alistair McGowan and I just thought to myself, do you know what? I think he was the first guy who who done impressions for a living, and I did I didn't know it was a thing. Really? And I saw him, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing! People do this for a living. This is just yeah. brilliant." And um, so you know, his Beckham is basically uh, my Beckham, you know, and uh, the way he does his Beckham was just and and obviously uh, you, you know John Motson, but I was doing John Motson, and then I saw Alistair do John Motson, and I was like, "Oh my god, this guy is just so good," yeah. and I've always looked up to him. Um, so and then I used to do Steve Irwin. Uh, yeah, go on. So you you don't get away without doing the it. The routine I used to do with Steve Irwin was basically it was the worst material ever because it was a talent show and I was sixteen. I got I got asked to do a talent show when I was yeah. sixteen and I was apprehensive about doing it because I wanted to be a footballer. And my French teacher was like, well, you know, you do you do good accents when we do our French classes. You know, why don't you? And she did a few of my voices and stuff. She yeah. said, why don't you get up? And uh, basically, he was, see this snake? He's a little beauty. One bite from him and I'll be dead. But I'm going to pick him up because I'm a little psycho. I've got a couple of screws. <laughs> like, woohoo, danger, danger, danger. You know, so there wasn't any yeah. sort of, like, when I look back at that material, I go, oh, my God, that was just so simple. But yeah. I got away with it because he was such a, a character that was out there. Um, yeah. So yeah. the M3 when we saw a main ones, you know, but Fantastic. people who I just love watching. The the thing about, let me just sort of going back, because you, your accents are just spot on. Uh, you're from Hartlepool, is that right? From Hartlepool, Hartlepool. yeah. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, doing a, you're doing a flawless Beckham, who's from, you know, down the road from me in, in Leytonstone. Yeah. Um, and you're doing a flawless Australian accent. You know you're doing well when you live up the road from David Beckham. You know? <laughs> oh, of course. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I hasten to add, you know, I'm, I'm an East London boy, so I'm, I'm thinking more of that, those right. days than, yeah, than yeah, what yeah. I am today. So that's obviously, a, it's a natural thing, right? So you, you hear an accent and... Most of the time, you can you can reproduce it. You can hear the vowel sounds. You can hear the the changes and the pitches and all that kind of stuff. How do you take that uh, and then apply it to an impression? So, in other words, you know, let's say let's take Steve Irwin. So you you know you can do an Australian accent, yeah. And then you've got Irwin. What are you? What are the things you're bringing together with the accent to give that? to kind of centre that impression. Do you know, I, it's funny because I'm not one of these, I, I've listened to a few impressions and how they um, structure their stuff and how they yeah. manage to get the voice. And, you know, a lot of them say, sometimes I use the one where, you know, I'll get a sentence and I'll keep repeating the sentence. Yep. Uh, that tends to work for me. But I, I, I very rarely break it down. I just, I, I, the only people I generally do are people who I listen to all the time and it just sinks in. Because someone asked me to do an impression of, uh, I can't remember who it was the other day, and I said, you know what? I said, oh, it was a UFC fighter, and I said I'd need to, I'd need to hear him speak again for it to be drummed into my head in order yeah. for me to know how it goes. But once I can hear him speak again, I can do it. Yeah. But some people who you know I, I do all the time, like I do in my set, I can just do because I know how they talk all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, so that so you you. 
probably you're one of the, uh, I suppose, in instinctive impressionists. Um, I suppose if you could call it that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because it's, it's interesting, and you know, I've been speaking to a lot of impressionists now during the course of making an impression, and yeah. quite a lot of them are very kind of academic, you know, very empirical yeah. about how they like break down impressions. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I and I was you know I was talking to them about talking to Darren Altman the, uh, the other week about this and it it's it was fascinating how he was breaking down impressions and same with Alex Jordan who I had on the first show and I was thinking Christ I, I never did that I, I kind yeah. of just I could either do it or I couldn't do it yeah and and on the rare occasions you know maybe if maybe your agent said to you you know my voiceover agent say they need you know can you go in and do somebody x and you think well no I can't of course of course you always say of course I can <laughs> and yeah. then you go and get a bit of film or a bit of audio and try and copy it and then I go away and, and actually you know kind of worry it to death you know how oh, what yeah. am I doing what and then I then I feel myself getting lost yeah, you know, I get that. I mean, not, phonetics can help, I think, you know, of how people say, if you were to really struggle with a voice, I think, I haven't done this, but I think it probably should start, because I feel yeah. like I'm a bit lazy compared to everyone else you've been telling me around. <laughs> but, um, like, you know, the, the way certain people say certain words, if you write it down on a piece of paper and spell it as they would say it, probably would be, I think the only impression I've ever been asked to learn was oh, actually I had one the other day. Have you seen Tiger King? I haven't, but I've heard a lot about it. Oh, Netflix, right? Well, because yeah. I've seen the whole series, there's someone messing me. They said, "Oh, can you do a Joe Exotic?" Someone might want to use it. Or oh, I went, "Okay." So I sent them a, a recording, and, and the, the voice that everyone does for Joe Exotic is, "Screw you, Carol Basket," you know. And they've got he's like, "Cara, where's he from again? Virginia, I think." So that's the one that everyone does. They do his YouTube channel voice, which is, you know, "Screw you, Carol Basket," you know. Hey, I'm Joe Exotic, you know. Whereas there's another voice which yeah. has Louis Theroux interviewing him. And, and, you know, he's very, like, you know, really relaxed and talks like that. You know? <laughs> you've got, you've got yeah. two different uh, versions of it. And I was doing an MMA podcast the other night. Do you watch the UFC? Are you familiar I'm, with the UFC? I'm, I do watch it occasionally, but I'm not, not a huge fan, but I do I occasionally just switch over. So you'll know just... Conor McGregor. I mean, he's a huge Yeah, yeah, of course. Sure, yeah. Uh, so so you've got Conor McGregor who is, you know, when you talk like Conor and you're talking technical about fighting and talking about timing and you are talking about precision, that is that is the voice that Conor normally has when he is really focused <laughs> and trying to think yeah. about fight he is doing you know yeah, yeah and then you get the happy kind of yeah the one who's just won the fight and he's there in the press conferences he's really happy he's drinking his proper 12 whiskey yeah <laughs> so he's got two versions yeah. of it you know so yeah. you can pick up on that when you um when you just watch people all the time I that's think. very interesting that because of course you know, we're all human beings we're not the same we don't present the same way every every minute of the day absolutely so, so I, sometimes with a, an impression you're doing a kind of a cartoon snapshot aren't you it's it's you the are. thing you know that people recognize about that person and other times you want to find those little nuances the, the, the ups and downs of, of of speech that you know that that represent them in lots of different ways. It's, it's yeah. interesting. That. Let me ask you this: you you mentioned Alistair McGowan. I, I work. I was really lucky. My to hero, Alistair. I, 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 I think he's the best impressionist. I think of, he is of, of recent years. You know, and I I was brought up on kind of Mike Yarwood, and there was a Who Do You Do, and all those people, and great impressionists around. Alistair uh, more, and Rory Bremner, of course, was fantastic in a, in his. You know his particular niche. He came up with voices. Well, he you found thought. his. What I like about Rory is he found his niche and he just went with yeah. it. And no one well, else was doing that. Exactly, and he so, and he had nailed it. And he absolutely, absolutely did. Yeah, and a genius. But I always thought McGowan just was able more or less to apply his gifts to any voice, and he just seemed to be able to do everything. And I worked with Alistair quite a, quite a lot in my early days. A, he's a lovely bloke. He's a very nice man. Really nice man. He he got me my first break on radio. And, you know, when he had, was given a job that he said, I can't do the job. Do you want to do it? He's and very I was, generous, isn't he, like that? He was really generous. He used to ring me up and say, what do you think of this Trevor Francis impression? And we'd be talking impressions. But let me ask you this. You mentioned you kind of borrowed his Beckham. Yeah, right. So now all impressionists do this, don't they? You know, you look at another impressionist, you think, what? Oh yeah, I can, I, now I can see the hook. Yeah, I couldn't 
do you, do you do that a lot? Do you um, don't do it in a, you know you're not stealing. It's just a way of yeah I getting yourself get into I mean, it. Boys. What I do now is I try not to watch impressionists if I can help it. Because what happens then is you you see people how you see them and you don't yes. see them how somebody else sees them. That's interesting. And, and when I started doing stand up, there was one in particular that I actually took credit for, and Alistair McGowan deserves the credit for it, which was the Dara O'Brien impression. Yeah. And I was on mock. I was on. I was on mock. I was on Britain's Got Talent, and uh, the thing that Dara O'Brien does is the uh, yeah. like that, uh, yeah. and um, it was funny because I was on Pointless. And Alistair was on pointless as well, and we were both doing Dara, and I was going eh, then he was going eh, then I was going eh, and it was stuff. <laughs> we sounded like the buzzers from Britain's Got Talent, you know. Let's <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Britain's Got Talent then, because we had, uh, as I say, we had, I had Darren Altman on uh, the other day, and he was on Britain's Got Talent. I think he got to the semi-final. And yeah. he, he spoke to me about his experience where he, you know, he did the original. Uh, you know his original audition and absolutely nailed it and then when he got to the semi-final he tried to do something a little bit different and it didn't quite he, he, you know in his own words it just yeah. didn't happen it did things didn't work yeah what i find with that is that the first thing i would say to anyone who would be going on britain's got talent is do what you're comfortable with because if if someone's giving you something to do and you're not comfortable with it it's bad enough in front of 50 people in a comedy club, which is what you'd have new material nights for. If you're doing it in front of 10 million viewers, It's it, then there's the nerves on top of you and everything else gets on top of you. I mean, I went back and forth with the producer of Britain's Got Talent and, and, and I felt like I was being a bit of a dick to him, but I wasn't. I was just standing my ground. You know, and I think as a performer, listen, this is your business, you know? Yeah. So as a performer, you've got to stand your ground with these people and go, look, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm comfortable with. And they, I nearly had the same with the final. And I ended up getting a migraine because I was so stressed about it. And I nearly I never w- was able to make it. And uh, anyway, I, I took some... The, the, the doctors pumped me full of all sorts. I was off my head <laughs> when I'd done the final. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, the pump me with cocoa, all these types of painkillers, you know. And all of a sudden, I was fine. So um, anyway, I managed to get the studio... I said to the producer, right, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing this, 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 and this. He went, yeah, but this is not in the script. So I went, fine. I said, give me a laptop. I'll write what I'm going to do. I wrote out what I'm going to do. Knocked the part and brandy back. Went on. Done the gig. <sighs> what a relief that was, you know. But yeah. if I'd have done what they told me to do, it would have just been a disaster. As I was saying to, to Darren, they came for me three times. And it, all three times I said to them, look, I'm retired. I haven't done this for God knows how long. Yeah, yeah. And they said, oh, come on anyway. And I, I said, look, you know how old I am. <laughs> come on anyway. Come on anyway. And what happened was that they then, I kind of said, look, I don't really think there's anything in it for me because I'm, I'm not looking to create a career beyond this. I've had my career and I, you know, I'm very happy with that and I'm doing other things. So, you know, become a, I was doing voiceovers at that point and I was yeah. perfectly happy doing voiceovers. He uh, then got a, the, the contract came through. And they said, oh, look, have a look at the contract and, you know, see what you think. Now, for my sins, I used to be a lawyer. And so we're going back a long way. But even I, as a a long retired lawyer, could see that the contract was very, very tight and very much in psychos, in their their favour. Everything was about them. And I said, well, I can't sign this. You know, I said, well, here's, here are my amendments. I should like to change clause nine. You know, yeah. And so, <laughs> and they, they weren't having it. And then they said to me, look, don't sign it, but come anyway. Come to Birmingham and we're going to do this thing. And I thought, that's crackers. It's like the but, track reel you're in, you know. Well, that's the thing. And, and I did feel like the whole thing, you know, I spoke to some people I trust in the business. They said, look, they... It's all about they're going to manipulate you because they are going to pitch you onto TV in the way they want you to be seen. And that scared the shit out of me, to be honest with you, because I thought I'm an old bloke peddling impressions. And it's I just Simon, sorry to interrupt, but I just cannot believe they're trying to pull the wool over your eyes. I mean, someone who's been in the industry as long as you have. Yeah, well, it it, it was it was all a bit weird. And I, I thought. Uh, in any event, the, the truth of it for me was there was nothing in it for me because other than going to do some impressions in front of a few people and being judged by 
you know, Simon Cowell and, and David Williams. I couldn't see why it would be in any benefit to me. But you're much, much younger than me, and I can see why you would be attracted to it. Let, let me ask you, before we go back to BGT briefly, what we, so what were you doing before that? What was your your were you were you performing? Were you doing another job as well, or what was? Well, what I was on the circuit. I, I was I was doing the set. I was what I was doing. I was doing holiday parks, and then I started doing the comedy clubs. And I was doing the and after doing the holiday parks, I went to comedy clubs, and I'm going, oh my god, this is just beautiful because yeah. you're doing a holiday park, and you've got a. Di- I mean, I become good with crowd control doing those yeah. gigs. Yeah. After now, it got to the point where you know I'd be twenty minutes, thirty minutes into me set, and I haven't done an impression because I'm having to riff with the audience because yeah. you know some kids climbing on a table or do you know what I mean? And I'm trying <laughs> to deal with some family, and then then there's a gambling machine going off at the other side of the room, you know. But, and then I'd done a comedy club, and it threw me a little bit because I'm going, the audience are actually listening to me. This is weird, you know. And I and I'd done that, and it was just like, oh, this is brilliant. And and I started headlining clubs quite quickly. Well, the ones that I was doing, and which scared me a little bit because I'm going. And when I was talking to you earlier on uh, off air, when I was saying about you know some great comedians on the circuit, you know yeah, you've got likes yeah. of uh, you know your Saul Bernstein, your Richard Morton's, your John Ryan's, um, your Alan Francis's, and people like that. And yeah. they're on and they're smashing it before you go on. And I'm going, I haven't really been on the circuit that long, and he's got me headlining. And I mean, obviously you must think, yeah. I'm, which, which is nice, but at the yeah. same. I'm thinking this is a hell of a lot of pressure on me for 150 quid. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, is that, is but, that, do you think that's because you're carrying the B, the BGT finalist tag with you? No, no, so no. This, are... was, this was before, just before, oh, before? BGT. Okay. And yeah. then I was asked to do BGT. And if I'm honest with you, when I've done BGT, my material wasn't really that. I look back at that material and I go, all as I was doing there is I was just going from voice to voice to voice yeah. because I had a short space of time to get as many impressions in as I could. Whereas now, I, I chat and I, I bring the impressions in. An example of that would be, you know, I, I get myself into situations. You know, I suffer from anxiety. I remember I was parked. Uh, I was in. A, I was I, last time I was at the supermarket. I was parking a parent, uh, parent and child space, and um, I, I, I to just deal with the situation as Johnny Vegas, you know. So basically, I was parked in a parent and child space, and this bloke came up to me. He said, excuse me, do you know you're parked in a parent and child space? I said, yeah. He said, do you know you've got to have a child to park there? I said, yeah. He said, well, where's your child? I said, my child is tied up in the boat, along with the monkey who stole all my adverts, you know. So I've sort of got this, like, little link. You, because I think as well, audience like a bit of self-deprecation. So if you say to the audience, oh, I suffer from anxiety a little bit, which I think a lot of impressionists do. Oh, yeah. Because, because yeah. we hide behind the voices sometimes. Of course, um, yeah. So when you say that, the audiences go, oh, and then you go bang, and you go the impression, they go, oh, bloody hell, that was good. And it, and yeah. it, it just hits them, you know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say about the hiding thing. Because uh, I, I used to start my set with an impression. Really? Right? I didn't say hi, how you doing? I just went on a sting, right? I, whatever it was, you know, just <laughs> or I'd sometimes go on as George Michael, you know, and I'd do a song. And the idea was that was that if I do a song with a guitar and you know, you're gonna get a, a round of applause, right? Because, you know, that's what tends to happen after yeah. you finish a song. And so that's that's how I played it. And then I then I would launch in and say, How you doing? <laughs> you know. Um and I did feel that it, there was that element of hiding because you can do the voices. Everyone loves the voices. If you've got great jokes to go with the voices, even better. Yeah. When you go on stage now, are you finding that you don't, the voices are there to decorate the Danny, right? So Danny yeah, is the, yeah. the stand up. Are you telling jokes in your own voice or are you, do you always yeah, tend to material as myself? You know, I, I was doing a routine recently. I've just, I was doing it in Edinburgh actually, yeah. and I wrote it when I was in Edinburgh because, and it just brought. But what it was is, I was, I was in a, I popped into this pub on the way to me to me show, and there was a wake, and and I, I just overheard them saying, "Oh, he had a lovely send off, didn't he? he? Had a lovely send off." And I'm going, "You never hear anyone at the funeral say he had a terrible send off, didn't he? Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> they dropped the cough and his arm fell out and it Marion. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, so." <laughs> I sort of built this little routine in, and then, yeah. and then it reminded me of when me, I was at my granddad's funeral, and I actually done the toast to my granddad's funeral. I was like 19, 20, and everyone was loved whiskey. 
so my granddad loved his whiskey. So I said, this is a toast for my granddad. Everyone had a whiskey because my granddad loved his whiskey to Arthur. And everyone raised a glass to Arthur. And I thought, this is beautiful because we're all drinking whiskey because my granddad loved his whiskey. And then I thought, fast forward a funeral 50 years time. Yeah. I think it would be like this, wouldn't it? You know, right, everyone, can every attention, please. We all know Chantel loved a ketamine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's quite nice because I like putting my own bits in there as well because people hear me do impressions and then they hear me talking and then they're like, when's the next impression coming? But it's quite nice to get a laugh from your own material. But there was a point where I'm chatting as myself and I could see a few audience members getting quite restless because I hadn't done an impression for about two minutes. Yeah. But but there is that, isn't there? I mean, because you, you know, clearly you, you pitch yourself, you know, as an impressionist. That's what yeah. you are. And I think there's that, as you say, there's kind of slight impatience that, that they get when you, you, you've you gone too long without. I used to do a whole routine about my, you know, when I got a bit more confident, I would do some bit of stand. I used to do a whole routine about, you know, taking my kids to some restaurant and they're all over you, all over the kids. And, and it, it ends up with the kids saying, you know, fuck off and get the menu, please. Anyway, that's <laughs> that was yeah. the joke. Um, I can't remember the setup. I just remember the, the, the tagline. Yeah. And I, I could sometimes feel as that story spun out that they're thinking, okay, well, all right, we'll, we'll stay with you, but get get on, do a De Niro pretty sharpish. Yeah. Otherwise, we, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's what you, the people get like, don't they? Then you went to, so you were doing the circuit, you, you did the holiday parks, you did, you were on the circuit. Was And were you doing circuit nationwide? Did you, or was it more, more kind of uh, well, locally was, to you, northeast? Where, where were you yeah, mostly working? Yeah, I was working? all over the place. I lived in Torquay for a bit, because what it was, I was an entertainer on a cruise ship. And then this comedian used to come on called Paul Eastwood. And I got a really good, I became really good friends with him. He's one of my best friends, one of his best men at his wedding. And I actually do, I became really good friends with him because it got to the point where I could do an impression of him and he, he quite liked that. Yeah. I used to do it to his face, you know, and he talked, he's like that, he's from Essex, Paul. And, um, <laughs> and, I, and I remember I said to him, I went, is there anyone else who does an impression of you? He went, yeah, a guy called Andy Fleming, but he won't do it to me face because he's got manners. And it just, <laughs> made, it just made me laugh. Whenever, <laughs> and then we've just become really good friends ever since. Yeah. And he used to come on the ships and... Um, he got me in with this agent called Trevor George Entertainment, who were down in Devon. Yeah. And uh, they got me a few holiday park gigs and stuff like that. And, it was, you know, I was doing all right with them, but I was like, you know what, I want to do, you know, I want to be more creative with me stand-up. I want to be, you know, I don't want to be having to stop every five minutes because of kids running around. I need to... And then that's when I started doing the circuit, and I was doing a few gigs down in, in Devon and Cornwall. They had a few little comedy clubs. And then I got into, you know, you know, Miles Crawford, don't you? Yeah, yeah, very well. The comedy clubs. So I've done a couple. Oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> he's just like a really, you know, yeah. he's really the, you know, he's such a large character. Man. Uh, he's, he's, he's so full of, of, of effervescence, you know. He's, yeah, he's and it's funny because when I do, when I do a rare, it's funny, Alistair does an impression of him as well. Does... When I spoke to Alistair, he says, do you do Miles Crawford? I says, yeah. And we both done a, our version of Miles Crawford. And uh, yeah. yeah, and it's, it's the laugh every five Five seconds, isn't it, with Miles? I think. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I, I, I go back, you know, twenty-five years with him, and he used to do this routine. Uh, for, for, for the listeners who don't know Miles Crawford, find out about Miles Crawford because yeah. he, he is a really a he's a lovely bloke, and B's he's a, a really, really lovely bloke. He's a great comedian, and I don't know how much comedy he does these days because he runs comedy clubs. He does. Uh, but he's used to do a route. Miles, I, I just love working with him. It's great. Oh, it's it's it, it, it's a real joy, uh, Miles. And he he used to do this routine with a, a can of Pepsi, and um, to the to the sound of uh, Thriller, you know. And he would kind of <laughs> kind of turn into, you know, Michael Jackson turning into a ghost. You know, it, it was, yeah, a, it was yeah. a brilliant invention. And he used to do this every. I used to see him at the comedy store doing that, and it was. It was magical, and he eventually gave that up. <laughs> After 20 years of drinking Pepsi on stage, I think. Yeah, he- yeah. Um, so moving on a little bit, oh, this is something that uh, intrigues me, because now we're, we're chatting away. Uh, you, you can hear my natural voice is, is naturally, you know, it's quite, it's quite bassy. Your yeah. natural voice is a, is a higher pitch to mine. Do you feel, because I feel that I can't do some impressions, or that I never used to, try to do some impressions because I didn't feel like pitch wise I could I could hit them yeah. whereas you're, you're doing okay let's say Diane Abbott 
female voice, but you're yeah. still knocking out really good Boris's and Farage's who are, you know, I do Nigel Farage down here, right? Because that's his natural yeah. voice, you know. But you still do a great version with a different pitch and it still works brilliantly. Well, do you know it's funny because... The Nigel Farage I do is the Nigel that is in the European Parliament. You know, he's yeah. there and he looks like... Did you know I have a routine on that? But but, but the, the LBC, you know, the LBC Nigel, slightly lower, which I can't quite get. So, so you know, when I was talking about the two versions of Conor McGregor and the two versions yeah. of Joe Exotic that I can do, this is a pitch that I can't quite... Like, I can't do Morgan Freeman. I can't no. get him. I've had a load of impressions to do Morgan Freeman and people expect me just to be able to do it because every other impressionist can yeah. do it. But it's just not within my um, range. But well, That's uh, really interesting because Darren was saying, Darren Darren Altman, because I, I, you know, I do, well, now I'm Morgan Freeman because it's quite natural. Just, that was effortless. That was just yeah. beautiful. That but was that, really good. But that's way down for me and kind of in my gravel area, you know. Yeah. Which is, so it's natural. But I used to, try and do, let's say, uh, Woody Allen. And for me, <clears throat> Woody Allen's a much higher pitch for me. And I used to fake it by almost going falsetto. You know, like, I'm shocked. You know, I can't believe it. You know, And I used to think, I'm not even sure that sounds like him. It does to me. And then Darren did it. Darren Alton did it. And he's got a lower voice. And he did it in a lower pitch. And I thought, yeah, still works. You can sort of get away with it. It's mad because Adam Louis Theroux uh, the other day on one of the sketches. Yeah. And um, I, had, I had like quite a few people saying, you know, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And there was the odd one saying, oh, yeah, it's a bit high. But I think I think with Louis, the higher version that I do of him, it's, I think it's how he says certain syllables sometimes. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? And yeah, the little, yeah, yeah, the little yeah. bits that he adds on. And I think I think what I get away with that more so is the mannerisms and, you know, the little bits that he does. But so often it, that's the thing about an impression, isn't it? It's not just it's not just the voice. The voice is, is obviously the central bit to it. Yeah. It's how it's how you package it all up with with the ticks and the nuances of the voice and the even when you're doing live uh, work, you know, yeah. it's the movements, the things that you can find to <laughs> when you're doing your Diane Abbott. With your eyes, your the eyes were, with the eyes and everything. Yeah, yeah. I wish I wish people could see what I could see. You know, your eyes are <laughs> fluttering upwards in this kind of lost in space thing, you know, and, and, yeah. and that that also helps to bring an impression together, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you feel that as well sometimes when you when you do an impression of somebody? So going back to this Nigel thing, right? So yeah. I a routine on him, you know. And what if I were Nigel, what is in the European Parliament, is he looks like he's throwing an invisible ball into the air, doesn't he? You know? And, <laughs> yes, and, and, and anyway, so we, me and, the, me and the, uh, Amy were sat watching the telly one night and Nigel was on. And we were watching him for a little bit and I went... Have you noticed something, babe? She went, wow, when he stopped doing that thing with his hands. I said, you reckon he's seen the video? Do you know what I mean? And he's, so in a yeah. way, you sort of feel like a bit of a bully, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. People's mannerisms. And, and then I've done something uh, with Boris as well. With the, uh, He looks like his arms are independent of him. And he looks like the worst darts player <laughs> I've ever seen, you know? And, I've done this, and you know, Trump looks like he's, he's squeezing a ball. You know, he looks like he's... <laughs> Trying to squeeze the ball as as best he can, you know, and and he's, he's pulling the face, really pulling the face, you know. Uh, you, you, you see now your your voice to me, you are in the absolutely prime spot vocally for for Trump. You because actually your natural pitch is almost you've got a slight huskiness about your natural voice. Yeah, but that, that that lends itself perfectly. You do a brilliant one. Are there ones you won't go near? Then are there voices that not just because of pitch, but you know, for other reasons, are there accents you won't take on, or are there types um, of voices you won't touch? There's, there's ones I've seen, Alistair. Sorry, I'm talking about Alistair quite a well, lot. No, it's, it's <laughs> fine because he's he's the best, isn't he? He's he's, he's magnificent. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll, when I saw him do Gary Lineker, I was just like, I'm not touching that. I'm going nowhere <laughs> near that. You know, and then when I saw him do, uh, I saw him do Richard Madeley as well. You know. The, the, you know, but if you listen to Alistair's voice, how he normally he does sound a little bit like yes. Richard Madeley. It's it's yeah. a slight exaggeration that that could make it harder, I think, because I mean, people say to me, "Oh, it must have been easy to do Anton Deck because you're you know you're from the northeast." I was like, "Well, not really, because there's the little you've got you don't just think about 
the person's accent that they're from somewhere different you've also got to think about the this is where you've got to really listen to them and go well there's a little tweak there there's this and that you know yeah. And, yeah. and um and i think with with deck with deck i find it was the pitch you know the the the, the slightly higher version of my voice but a slightly a touch more Geordie, you know, and uh, <laughs> with Ant, with Ant, I just feel like it's just gravelly, isn't it? And he just seems more excited about everything. <laughs> you did those on VGT, didn't you? And that, yeah, that, I, did, that I did. Surefire, surefire winner. Did, did uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave BGT. Well, actually, just one one thing beyond BGT. How did it affect your career? So you you got to the final. People started to, you know, people. You, you know, you're playing to a much wider audience. People know your face. How has it changed things for you, if at all? Well, I mean, I, I'm working. I'm, you know, I'm always working, which is great. And I'm getting, I'm getting more better paid gigs than I used to get. But I think, you know, it, it has helped me because, you know, people, even if people don't know who you are, you say, oh, well, I was on Britain's Got Talent, then they look you up on YouTube and go, oh, bloody hell, he was on, you know, he got to the final, which, which yeah. always yeah. helped. But what I've also found is, you know, they've heard how good your McIntyre is. They've heard how good your Bishop is. You've heard how good. So you've got to come up with new characters. You've got. What I found was when I finished, I was like, actually, do you know what? I'm an impressionist for a living now. And eyes are going to be on me. So if I do a new voice and it's a bit off, people are going to let me know. Yeah. And, that, and that's. So in a way, I thought, oh, it'll be easy now because I'm an impressionist. But then at the same. Because before then, I was trying to let everyone know I'm an impressionist. You know, I'll listen to this voice, listen to that yeah. voice. Now, you've actually got something to prove because yeah. if you say you got the final, people, oh, well, he must be good. You've got to, um, you know, you've got to make an impression, if you like. Yeah, so that it kind of actually adds to the pressure in a way, doesn't it? The, it adds the... to the pressure a little bit, yeah. Like yeah. when I do a new voice, you know, I think when I put them on Twitter, I take and leave people's comments because I think people on Twitter can just be ruthless. I mean, I've yeah. never, Facebook's well, not too bad. Yeah. Can I ask you about that? Because it, it does seem very, you know, you expose yourself to a, a massive crowd of people. And most people are quite, you know, they're quite decent about stuff. But you, there are people who are just on there because they want to be on there to rip everything to shreds. Yeah. Uh, I, I did a, a YouTube video of, of impressions about seven, eight, nine years ago because I was at a loose end. And I just throw a few impressions on. And I actually said, if you've got nothing nice to say, don't bother. What's the don't point? Bother. What's the point? You know, yeah. if you didn't enjoy it, that's okay. I don't mind. You know, I can live with that. But exactly. It's so. How do you? You because you, you must. You know, you're obviously going to get you, you these people the detractors on social media. Oh, I mean, and you're and you're putting stuff out there quite a lot. So how yeah. how, do you, how do you deal with that? Well, do you know what? There's, I, I've actually learned very quickly that you've just got to block them or ignore them. Or yeah. if you've got quite a witty comeback for them, just retweet it. I mean, do you know what? Actually, what I learned, I only learned this last week. Twitter is also part of your business. It's not just you doing impressions. It's not just you going out doing gigs. Yeah. You've also got to have that professionalism with your social media. It was only last week I was, you know, I was back and forth with someone because he didn't like what I did. And I was basically more or less saying, well, you know, what what, what what do you get out of this, you know? And he was being really horrible. The stuff he was in. And in the end, I just blocked him. And my missus, Amy just says to me, why didn't you just block him in the first place? He said, he said, well, you know, will his opinion affect your career? I says, no. She says, well, and I was like, do you know what? You're right. And 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 also what you're doing as well. If you retweet, I mean, Piers Morgan does this. If he disagrees with somebody because he's got, you know, all these millions of followers. Someone will say something and he'll retweet it with a nice, like, you know, catty comeback. Yeah. And then like, oh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But then he also takes a lot of flack off people. But then that's his job. My job is to just do impressions and make people laugh and be nice. And I think, yeah. well, if I'm ripping people back and having a stab at people back, people see a different side here and it, and it doesn't look very nice. No. So no. it's best to just ignore them or block them. And I saw yeah. one, uh, Tim Vine done a really funny joke it you know he sometimes uses props and uh, yes, he yes. does a daft video and i love tim vine he's one of my favorite oh, comedians. he's wonderful yeah and um i actually i met so i was in edinburgh and i was at the abattoir bar and tim waved me over because I'd, I'd only gigged with him ever once and i was like wow and uh, i don't know and, and he's like i've heard you do a very good impression of me and i went uh, i says i says uh i says well actually tim i said i do a routine about you in me set he went 
He said, I can't wait to hear the jokes. Off you go. And uh, I've done this. Um, so basically what, what it is, is I've got, I do this routine about Jeremy and Tim. Now, everybody, if, if you know, they're brothers. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so basically uh, to, to get into the routine, I talk about um, the fact that I've, I'm 33 now and I'm at the age where, you know, you know, you're starting to trickle on the old side because you li- I'm listening to BBC Radio 2 and I love BBC Radio 2. Yeah. And I actually, I, I really like listening to Jeremy Vine. And what I found with Jeremy, and by the way, Lewis McLeod does the best. Oh, it's, it's immaculate. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, I've, got, I've got Lewis coming on the show uh, in, in a couple of weeks. And I, want, I just want him to be Tim. Just Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy Vine. For yeah. the whole hour, yeah. It's funny because, it, but that's that. He's got that where I've got with Diane Abbott. I think, you know, everyone's like, oh, Lewis, could you do your Jeremy Vine? You know, you do a good Trump, you do a good, you know, Boris, you do it well, but can you just do your Jeremy Vine? And people are like, yeah. with Diane Abbott, you know. Yeah. And so basically, what I find with Jeremy Vine, because I heard Lewis do it and I was like, wow, I shouldn't really attempt that because it's so good. But I found a little different angle with, with Jeremy because, like I say, I'm listening to him, I'm in the car, I'm on my way to the yeah. game. What I find with Jeremy Vine is he plays songs at the most unexpected moments. So it's not so much doing a brilliant impression of him. It's it's yeah, the element yeah. of surprise. So um, he would say something like, there is a lady who is 87 years of age. She went into Aldi and bought a tin of beans for 17p. It should have been 7p. This is a massive outrage and a huge disgrace. <laughs> He's the Bee Gees, straight in. He doesn't mess around. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great it's, it's, that's again another interesting one that that because uh, uh, i hear him in a different way i hear him he's just he's on the edge of crying all the time he is yeah he's got that good. sort of you know that very much like uh, uh, i mean i can't do him but you, you as you that was actually earlier. really good that was really good i like that <laughs> thank you um you know but it is that it's that edge of I'm just about to break, burst into tears, you know, and yeah. it's that's how I, I hear. Him. I love the analogy aspects as well. People bring into it. It's like, like I, I see that. I see the same. Like, well, guys, I know, you know, he sounds like <laughs> he sounds like he's about to cry, doesn't he? You know, um, and so, so I love I'm that. Talking, I'm talking to Tim at the the He said, "Come on, I want to hear the jokes," and I told him the routine that I do. Uh, so basically, it was them two growing up. Like you'd imagine, Jeremy's the sensible one, yeah, and yeah. Tim just wants to tell silly jokes all the time. Yeah. So Tim buying his first car, and Jeremy's like, "I would definitely recommend you buy this car, Tim. It's a very good car. It's a fantastic car. It's got four wheels. It's got a steering wheel. It's even got a gear stick. It even plays the Bee Gees. What do you think?" And then Tim straight in. Well, I said to the car sales, "What's the story with this car?" He said, "No spoilers." I said, "Hatchback." He said, "No, just the way I'm standing." I said, can I see the bonnet? He said, bonnet to Easter. I said, is it automatic? He said, automatic. I said, automatic. Is it systematic? I said, it's grease lightning. You know, so I'm doing these jokes to Tim. And Tim, Tim's gone. They're actually yeah. very good jokes. Did you write those jokes? I went, well, me and a guy called Phil Padgett, who was a one-liner comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, said, yeah. I said, you know, the only way you could do an impression of Tim really is to buy doing one-liners. So you'd need to have good jokes in order to be able to do that. For so, sure. Yeah, well, you've, got, you've absolutely nailed it. There, right? and, and I'm doing yeah. Tim. And then um, uh, John Archer was there. John's a lovely guy. He, was, he, was, he works a lot with Tim. He supports him yeah, on tour. Yeah. And uh, Jeff Watching was there as well. You know, he, I, I don't know whether you know Jeff, but he, I think everybody has done gigs for Jeff. You know what I mean? He, 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 he always, right, every time I see Jeff, he goes, do you know what I love about your set down? You know, you do Sarah Milligan. I mean, Sarah Milligan done an album spot for me years ago. You know what I mean? John Bishop, he done an album spot for me years ago. <laughs> so straight away, Jeff's in there. Jeff's in there. But by the way, Sam, he does a great impression of me, you know. Just a great impression of me. So then I've done, I've done Jeff. Right, I've done Jeff. But yeah. Jeff's a really good friend of mine, like Miles Crawford is. You yeah, know? yeah. Stephen Kamos is around the other side. And he walks over. And he yeah. goes, uh, oh, so you've, you've done Tim. You've done Jeff. He went, who else comedians do you do? Uh, so I do McIntyre. Uh, you know, giving on the little riffs as Michael. And that's that to do with John Bishop. And then Jeff, well, I should, I should book John. I should book John. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's in there. And then Stephen Gamos goes to me. So do you, do you, can you do me? And I just went, no. And it was like, it was, so, it was, it was like a bit embarrassing for us both. You know, yes. I, think, I think Stephen Gamos was expecting me to just bang out his voice yeah. for him. You know, oh. really, yeah, it was really weird. Oh, it's great stuff. The, the, some, you, the Jeff Whiting there, and people won't know Jeff Whiting, but like you and I do, but he's, he's, 
he's a comedian, but he's also one of the biggest promoters out there. Oh, do you know what? Jeff's got me a loads of work. I mean, he gets me, he rings me up with a corporate, and I'm going, where did you get this one from? Yeah, I know. I mean, I work with I work with him a lot. Funny enough, I I, I met Jeff Whiting way way back when he was struggling to be a comedian, and then he started booking a few gigs here and there from a phone box. <laughs> you know, he was working from a phone box. And then he gradually grew uh, his, is it Mer- still Mirth Control, I guess? Mirth Control, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, gigs galore. He got me corporate. He got me all kinds of stuff. And uh, he's, it, he's an extraordinary guy. And he, he's also very, when you, because you, you've just nailed him, right? And he has this very sort of almost, uh, you think he's so humorless. He's so kind. But he's not, of course. It's, it's, it's. Yeah. His persona sometimes is very kind of fierce and yes. focused, and and yet yeah. when he gets on stage, he's Mr. Cool, Mr. Casual, Mr. He's Funny. Brilliant. He's, he's yeah. a very, very good MC. You know the way he's he a good MC. The audience and stuff. And, and it's funny because when I do gigs with Mars and I do gigs with Jeff. Well, funny enough, I was doing the Guernsey Comedy Festival with Jeff. Yeah. Uh, so I've done the fest night, and Jeff went, "Yeah, yeah, great gig, Johnny. Fantastic, man. Tomorrow night, can you do me? Because they know me here. Do you know what I mean? Put, put me in your set. That'd be great, man. That'd be great." So um, anyway, so I've done Jeff on the second night, and everyone loved it. You know. Yeah. And then, and then he went, oh, "You do, you do a very good, Alan Francis as well. Does Alan know you do, Alan?" I says, "Well, I says, yeah. he went, Alan, Alan, come here." D- Danny, do your Alan Francis do it, and it's a bit embarrassing when somebody just drags somebody else over. And yeah, oh, God. Well, listen, you, you've got to do your Alan Francis now. I, I, but, but, but you know what I find with Alan is, is the fact that the way he says the word lunatic, you know, it's very, very interesting. <laughs> and um, he's, he's a Scottish guy. I think he's from Edinburgh. Alan is, you know. <laughs> and um, and the way he tells a story, he just. Yeah. It beautifully, doesn't he? Yes, he's a, uh, anyway. I always think he sounds like like a young Ronnie Corbett. There's a, something about him. He, do you know Alan does quite a few? Well, funnily enough, Alan can do a good impression of Jeff Whiting as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I said on the last on the last gig, we both should do Jeff Allen. You know. Um, well, and, and he used to work with Alistair McGowan quite a lot. He wrote for the Big Impression, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Alan that's did. right. Um, so let me ask you this because it's a, it's a question that. I'm fascinated by, and I think it's something I'm going to ask everybody along the way in this this making an impression series. Have you done impressions? I mean, you you mentioned that in a sort of a private way, you know, doing impressions to people's faces. Yeah. Have yeah. you done anybody famous to their face? Well, oh, Ant and Deck. <laughs> when I was oh, on right. yeah, that's right. no, uh, that, they're probably the only famous people, and I think they took it really well. I think if they didn't take it well, it would. Probably they look bad on them. Actually, no, because people just love them so much. It would probably look terrible on me, wouldn't it? You did those impressions affectionately. You know, you weren't, you weren't. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't like doing anything. But I mean, I try not to be as personal as I can. You know, sometimes I get people who comment on my Twitter, you know, when I do Diane Abbott, and they say quite nasty things about her. And I don't like that because, you know, I've got, I actually, I've got nothing against her. You know, okay. all as I've yep. done is I've just capitalised on a few mistakes that she's made, which is what I think any comedian would do. And um, funnily enough, you talk about doing an impression. I don't think I would ever get to do an impression of Diane Abbott to Diane Abbott because she's actually blocked me on Twitter. For oh, me. No. <laughs> yeah, so I think I've upset her. I mean, if I if yeah. I ever met her, I would I would send I would say, look, I don't mean anything by it. All as I'm doing is I'm doing an impression of you, like I do an impression of Boris, like I do an impression of Nigel or. Um, I actually, I've, I've met Nigel and he, I asked him, because basically what happened was I've done this voiceover for mm-hmm. Hartlepool Media. Now, you know the story about um, Hartlepool, don't you? The call us monkey hangers. Right, okay. Because in, the, in, the, in the Napoleonic War, they thought it was a French spy and it wasn't, it was a monkey. And they hung it. <laughs> yeah. So they call us monkey hangers. And right. our mascot for Hartlepool United is called Hangus the Monkey. And the person who used to be Hangus the Monkey ended up becoming Mayor of Hartlepool. Do you know how become Mayor of Hartlepool? <laughs> he basically said to everyone, vote for me and I'll give you all a free banana. Yeah, that's 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 Hartlepool for you. That's Hartlepool, that's great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so basically what happened was uh, the, the Hartlepool made you around me. They went, look out, can you do, uh, what we're going to do is it's April Fool's Day, we're going to do a prank that the, um, the EU Parliament have got this animal rights activist group in and what they're going to do is they're going to make you pay for hanging the monkey for years ago and your council tax is going to go up. So basically, I was they were interviewing Nigel Farr and we did get quite a few people kicking off on Facebook. Oh, yeah. This was years ago, you know, and, uh, you, know, you know, you know, I was there doing the whole Nigel thing. You know, it's ridiculous. The European Parliament, you know, they're all gangsters, these people. And I'm going on like this. Yeah, well, apparently yeah, yeah. Nigel heard this and I, and I said to him, 
says, I says, what did you think of it? And he went, he went, well, well, well you know, I, I did hear it, you know. Anyway, do you want to part? And he changed the subject straight away. Yeah, uh, right, right. It's, it's interesting, it's, but... That is interesting. I've only, and I've done a few, few of these where you, you know, you try and do... It was a nice look. Don't get me wrong. It was a nice yeah. look. And he, he wasn't, yeah. you know... But I, I, I'm not sure whether some people actually do like it. But I think, do you know, I think Trump would be the same, you know. But then actually saying that, I think Trump might actually love it because so many people do Trump now. I, I think, think it, I think it depends how you how they do him, right? Because I mean, there's, there's a guy called you know. Have you seen Alex Baldwin's impression of him? He does him on Saturday Night Live. Now you know Baldwin really low, doesn't he? He does it low, and he doesn't like Trump. So everything he does about Trump is a piss take. It's it's meant to bite, you know. Yeah, and yeah. he's. And and Trump has reacted to that on Twitter, you know, oh, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Baldwin's a third rate loser, you know, that kind of thing. Well, he's, I, he's actually one of the best actors in the world. But <laughs> yeah, apart from that. Yeah. And it, yeah. it depends on the personality, doesn't it? And I, I did it. I did it to Alan Hansen. Um, did many, you? many uh, oh, years and years. Alan take it? Well, he, he was, we, we, it was on the phone. We I used to do a Radio 5 show and, and um, they got him on the, the line and they were doing something else with him. And then the, the guy who was doing the show, Gary Richardson, who, you know, is on Radio 5, he said, I've got Simon Lipson here. <laughs> he does an impression of you. <laughs> Hansen just I mean, went, I don't oh. know this radio presenter, but it sounds like it would that's be a very good impression. Exactly is that one of the ones that you absolutely nail and not many people know he no is? No one knows it. <laughs> um, so he said, I've got Simon. So, the, so Alan Hansen just went, go on then. So I went, uh, you know, well, I thought, sir, what are we saying? I'm doing that whole shtick. <laughs> and, and Alan Hansen goes, well, it's not bad. It's not good. <laughs> but it's not bad. And that was it. And I thought, I've got away with that, you know. Yeah. And he took it He took it for a joke, right, which is fine. Yeah. But they, they can, I think, I think it just depends how you pitch your impression. If they can sense some malice in there or some... Uh, critique some criticism you know i used to do uh, chris eubank you know way back and yeah. um you know you know the, 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 you know the sort of thing you know like the, yeah that's and very good we were gonna have him on a show uh, that i used to be on on radio five and he wouldn't come on and there was some whisper that he just he'd heard it and he didn't like it so you know what? apparently um he was like that with john colshaw as well yeah i think if I remember rightly, John said he was at some hotel and apparently Chris Eubank didn't particularly <laughs> like the fact that yes. John <laughs> But you, you kind of sense that with people who, you know, like Alan Hansen, you know, he's kind of got a wry, a wryness about him and he can handle it, right? Yeah. I think somebody like Eubank maybe takes himself quite seriously, Very and, seriously. And, and, and therefore you, you know, instantly you're just taking the mick, right? And yeah. uh, there we are. So it's funny you should say that, you know, because um, I actually played a charity football match and I played against Peter Beardsley. And uh, anyway, so it was, it was really strange because it was like entertainers versus X yeah. pros. So, I mean, they've got Keith Gilles, they've got ex-Newcastle player. It was put for the Pavel Cup, you know, Pavel Sernicic sadly, sadly died. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It was to raise money for, I can't remember what the charity was, but a guy called Steve Rafe was running it, who runs a lot of stuff for Newcastle United, does a great job. Anyway, I was playing in goal for the entertainers team. So a few of the lads were playing on the same side as me. They yeah. had they had Beadsley, Gaza, Gillespie, wow. Nobby Solano... Uh, Steve Harper, Steve Howie. I mean, you, you, I mean, I'm in goal. I've got pie shop right back, KFC left back. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, we've got a kind of chance of winning this. So we're getting beat like three 0 and it's twenty yeah. minutes in, and I'm in goal, and Gillespie has knocked this ball in, and it's skimmed me fingertips, and it's gone out for a corner. Yeah. And uh, anyway, the ref give a goal kick. So there was a bloke behind the goal, and I went, "You know, I got away with that, mate." So I took the goal kick, thinking nothing of it. Now Peter Beardsley right runs from one end of the pitch to the other. I went, hiya, Pete, are you all right? As if, as if he was going to be, like, really lovely to me. And he went, yeah, yeah. Uh, just let you know, he says, that ball to your fingertips. He said, it went out for a corner. He said, it should have been a corner. He said, I know it's a game, but you've got to be honest. I, and you're always doing what to say to somebody. And I'm going, I thought you would have been, like, a really nice bloke. Like, I've took my time out to come and play this match. I know we're going to get slaughtered because you've got loads of ex-pros playing for you. Like, but I think what it is, going back to the Eubank thing, yeah, it's, it's the fact that he wasn't a, he wasn't a dick. It's the fact that he was actually just so competitive. You know, people take themselves so seriously, and yeah. it's probably what Eubanks like. Yes. You know, 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, that's such a hilarious impression. That I, I, I used to do Beardsley, but I, I used to do more the face, you know, because he moved a bit. Sort of, yeah, his face was a yeah. bit wonky, and I used to I do. Imagine Peter. someone like him wouldn't take kindly to someone doing an impression of him. Do you know what I mean? No, uh, and I, I used to, used to do. Uh, I used to even just say one word. I think. Anyway, whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> Mentioned just before that the great impression that you do. And that you can't find a way to use it in your act. Is there some somebody you, you know, you do brilliantly, but it's just not they're not funny, or you there's no joke for them. It's funny. I was doing a um, I've done a gig once for Milton Jones. I used to do Milton occasionally in my act, and uh, <laughs> and it used to go all right. But I thought because I'm doing a gig with them, it was a corporate for British Airways. I thought. They know he's coming on, so this is just, you know, I'm in a win-win situation with this one. This is going to be a time where it's just going to absolute. I'm going to smash it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've done it, and it just didn't really get anything. And it was really strange. And I came off, and I said to Milton, firstly, I said, would you mind if I'd done your voice? But Milton's a comedian, and he's a really nice bloke as well. I've yeah, he is a lovely bloke. Really, yeah. really nice guy. And... um I says to him, uh, you know, would you, uh, would you mind if I do your voice? And he was lovely. He was like, yes, no problem. You know, so I went on and I'd done the, 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 the and it didn't really, I said, he went, very good set. I said, yeah, I said, but your voice didn't really seem to get much. He went, maybe, because I haven't been on yet. And I think he was, um, but, but the timing of how he said it, you could see he was really preparing to go on stage because yeah. that's the timing of how he delivers his stuff. But yeah. speaking, going back to people, because what just triggered into my brain then is Dara O'Brien from uh, Milton, because obviously Milton's on Mockery Week with Dara O'Brien. Yeah. I met Dara at Edinburgh. So the, going back to the thing, I forgot to tell you that story about the air thing with, with Alistair. Alistair it was basically the first one to go air with Dara. They were speaking on Mock the Week about my impression of Dara when he goes air, right? So yeah. he, uh, Dara O'Brien was on Mock the Week and he said, I'm actually going to hunt that man down and kill him. Air. And, and, and just going, well, you've just done it again, Dara. You know, it's, it's melted. <laughs> Anyway, I was I was outside the venue I was at in Edinburgh this year, and I saw Dara, and he walked past with his wife. I went, hello, Dara, you're all right. And I don't know whether he saw me, but he was trying to avoid me. And he saw me walking past, and I went, hey, Dara, how are you? He went, oh, here we go, that guy who says, who thinks that I say, eh, all the time. But what he does, he, he over-exaggerated his, eh, you know. But he was actually really, he was really nice, and Dara, he took it very well. He, yeah. he was doing it in a way that was like, sort of having a little stab but at the same time he was like no he was more or less saying to me fair play to you yeah I, I yeah exactly i mean you you can kind of tell the people who you know will take it as a little compliment or or they, they can take the joke and other people you you know you... comics love it i think comics are lovers yeah they do they do on the whole yeah i think that's true um it's been a lot of fun. This I've really enjoyed this chat. We could oh, go on for, for hours. We, mate. we could oh, go on for hours, but I've <laughs> unfortunately got to sort of find a. T- you know, we've done. A, we've done. We're in, hitting an hour. Oh um, really? Wow. We, you know. So let me just ask you one last thing, really, and then and because we, we could always do, always pick this up another time. We can do. An, we can we can do show number two, and there's plenty more. Yeah. Let me ask you about this. The in my lifetime, you know, when I was performing. I almost never did impressions just for the hell of it. You know, just, you know, I, I would only do impressions because I thought I might need to use them on stage or, you know, in some some kind of professional capacity. So, in other words, you know, I'd be watching TV and very occasionally, you know, if I see Morgan Freeman, you know, be on uh, Shawshank and he goes, well, there's my friend Andy DeFranc, yeah. <laughs> you know. But, but I mostly wouldn't do it. And I realised when I work with... John Culshaw and, and Alistair McGowan and a few others that they did that all the time. And I think that's where I kind of fell down. I, I probably was not an impressionist. I wasn't a born impressionist. I was someone who could do impressions. How, and where do you see yourself? I mean, are you someone who's at home, you're with your wife and you're in the, in the house there? And, and are you just walking about? <laughs> are you suddenly turning into Gaza? Are well, you... it, was, it was funny because I, I had a quick shower because I've been for a run earlier on before I'd done this and I, I was having yeah. a quick shower. And um, I started doing Sarah Milligan just randomly in the shower. It was quite weird. <laughs> and, um, and Amy was, Amy was like, were you just doing Sarah Milligan in the shower? I was like, yeah, because... She said, well, I said, well, I'm just warming my voice up a little bit just in case he asked me to do it because she's quite high, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and funnily enough, I actually, I had to sort of crowbar in at the end just to make sure <laughs> I was making the most of it. It but was well worth no, it. It's very rare that, um, I, you know, if I'm out, 
if I'm out, right, I go to my local pub, they always, they never ask me to do, you know, the, the McIntyres, they never ask me to do the Borises or the Trumps or anything like that. They always ask me to do one of my best mates, Brallo, and he's a bit of an Andy lad as well, do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you can see he's secretly loving it, you know. And, but but it takes them a few beers. They'll sit and have a few yeah. beers. And I'm chatting away, you know, I'm just, oh, how are we done? Go on, do, do your Brallo for us, go on. And I'll do it for them, and it just makes their day. You know, so I only do it really. I don't like it when someone, you know, finds out what you do. Have you ever had that where you're at a dinner party or something or you're at a party and people say, oh, by the way, he's an impressionist. Oh, come and then do one. I don't yeah. do it for them because I think, firstly, you know, you're not, you know, you're looking at me like you don't want me to be good because you don't like the fact that I'm doing something different for a living. So yeah. I just don't bother and I just say, I've got stuff on YouTube, mate, you know. Yeah. I, I used to always find i still get it occasionally people say oh, you, you used to impressions do one yeah and I'd, say, and I'd say what do you do for a living i'm a doctor yeah cure me yeah <laughs> you know? exactly yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> do, yeah and i think to myself uh, why do i need to be the performing seal here you know we're just yeah. we're just here for and then i would always uh, often thing i would say to people is you can't afford me you know yeah, that's a good, <laughs> very good one I, yeah. I just, it, it's, but but you're on to a loser, aren't you, in that situation? You are, you're on a massive loser. Bob yeah. McGouch used to do a brilliant job, didn't he? Uh, you're a lawyer, tell me a lie. You're a gynecologist, take a look at the wife. That was a great one. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's this has been a real joy. I've really enjoyed oh, every minute of it. last time, and we'll definitely have to do it again. We we will do this again. I'm hoping to keep this uh, this series you know, bashing on for as long as I can keep it going, you know, really. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 uh, and also it's a great, I think that people can see that the sort of people that impressionists are, you know, yeah, absolutely. yeah. What, what drives them and what, how they get to where they get to. And this has been great. So let's just for, for now, at least let's say thank you to the brilliant, brilliant Danny Postill. Uh, and uh, I'll be back with another edition of making an impression very soon. Thanks for joining me. Mm -hmm.